All right, so I'm not going to tell you to turn anywhere just yet. I just want to kind of tell you where we're going to go, and then we'll start flipping around. So what we were just doing here, we want to look at the importance of prayer. And I think it's it's real important to know the importance of prayer because I think some of the problem that we have is our, we, we see verses, and let's just turn to Isaiah 46 to begin with. We see verses where it it talks about the sovereignty of God. It talks about God's will, God's plan. We see from Genesis to Revelation that God has a plan, right? So we see we have a beginning and we see we have an end. So God knows the beginning from the end. He's controlling the beginning from the end, right? So the question we want to answer is, if He's controlling all these things, then why am I praying for things to happen? If He's controlling every detail, why do I pray? And in our fallen mind, we can actually get to the point sometimes where we're actually like sluggish in our prayer because we think that it's going to happen the way God wants it to happen anyway. What good is it going to do, right? That's our minds. At some point or the other, we will we'll think that. What good is it even doing? So, man, that is a weird bug right there. So in Isaiah 46, and I just want to back up what I said here about the sovereignty of God. 46 verse 8. and We'll read 8 through 10. It says, Remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind, your transgressors. Remember the former, former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and the ancient times from things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. That's talking about God's sovereignty, right? He's saying, the beginning from the end, nothing's going to happen outside of my will and outside of my purpose. That is, a sparrow falling from the sky, a hair falling from your head. Nothing is outside of His will. Then flip back to Isaiah 14. In Isaiah 14, verse 24, he says, the Lord, have ho the Lord of hosts has sworn, as I have planned, so shall it be. And I, as I have purposed, show, so shall it stand. Same thing, right? So I just wanted to show you we're using the Bible to back up the Bible. I'm not just pulling a piece out. I'm showing you in different places where he's saying the same thing. So the more you see verses like that, eventually you could start to think, well, does my prayer ha have any meaning in this at all? Um, me talking to God, is that going to change the way that something happens, right? Because he already knows the plan from beginning to end. So how does our prayer work in? So that's what we're going to look at. Number one thing that I want you to see here, or just to start with, is prayer is not made so God can find out what we need, right? We're not talking to Him so we can tell Him what we need. Matthew chapter 6, that's a good verse to back up that. I don't ever want you to think that I'm just saying something just to say it. 
Matthew 6 and verse 8. Now, this is talking about the Lord's Prayer here. And he's, tell, he's giving them warnings in the verses before it. Don't pray like the Gentiles just throwing up these empty things just to be heard to be praying, right? Verse 8, he says, Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So that lets me know before I open my mouth in prayer, God already knows what I need, right? I'm not telling Him. I'm not giving Him my agenda of what I need Him to do. I'm lifting it up to Him. So there's got to be a reason why I'm doing this. So let's just look, at, let's just look on down at the Lord's Prayer. This is Jesus saying, Pray like this then. And this is chat, uh, verse 9. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We don't pray this exact prayer. But when you look at your prayer, you probably touch on these things, right? At some point in the day, I know when I pray, when we're praying over our meal, we're thanking God for providing for us again, right? Throughout the day, we should be asking God to forgive us of our sins, right? We should have forgiven those who sinned against us. We're not walking through this list to tell God how he need ask him for forgiveness just because he think how I wanted to explain this. He knows where our heart is before we open our mouth, I guess is a good way to put it. And so if my heart is that I am sorrow, I'm sorry for my sin, if my heart is thank you for this food, all that is is just giving him praise, right? So the number one thing we always come to prayer in faith. Now, what does faith show? Right. So we're, we're showing our trust, our faith, our dependence on God to provide for us, right? And also, we'll see that God delights in being trusted by His children. Go to Psalms 147. He is praised by our faith. He is, he delights in our faith. Psalm 147 and verse 11. It says, But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love, those who hope in his stead, those who have faith, those who have dependence on him. Number two thing. Prayer changes the, the way God acts. Now that sounds almost, what's the word I'm looking for? Like we're, in control. like we're in control, right? I didn't tell you that it changes His nature. His nature never changes. We're not going to sway His nature to be more like ours, but it changes the way He acts. And I'll show you proof. Go to... What's a good one to start with? Let's go to Exodus 32. I think all y'all will know this story when we get there. 
This is a jaw drop dropper right here. Exodus 32. So you remember, Moses is up on the mountain getting the Ten Commandments, and what are all the people down at the bottom of the mountain doing? Aaron's down at the bottom, and they got him building this calf, right, to worship. Verse 7 of chapter 32, it says, And the Lord said to Moses, Go down for your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt. Go down for your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They have made for themselves a golden calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, Have I seen this people? I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore, let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, in order that I may make a great nation of you. But Moses implored the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say with evil intent did he bring them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven. And all this land that I have promised, I will give to your offspring and they shall inherit it forever. So Moses is crying out to the Lord on behalf of the people, right? Verse 14, And the Lord relented from the disaster that He had spoken of bringing on His people. He told Moses, stand to the side. I'm about to consume them because my wrath is burning. And Lord, uh, and then Moses went, pretty much went to bat for these people. He could have just said, all right, take them out. You're not wrong. He wasn't wrong. But he went, he went up and he said, please remember. Remember what you've said. Why, why does your anger burn hot? Well, he knew why his anger burned hot. You don't have to give an excuse for the Lord as why his anger burns hot. But out of this prayer, out of his plea, God didn't do it. First John, oh wait, let's go to James 4.2. That'd be another good one. There's plenty of examples like this in the Old Testament. But we're just going to get some verses to back up what we said. James 4.2. I don't think that's the right one. No, I'm wrong. First John 1.9. I don't even know why I wrote that on there. That might be why I wrote it. 
Let's go to 1 John. We're already keeping the pages hot here. All right, uh, verse 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Number one, let's think of it like this. Prayer is what? That's, that's our only communication, right? This is, this is our communication from Him to us, and this is our communication from us to Him. So if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see that? There's a, you're doing this, and He's doing this. If I don't confess my sins... What happens? From the get-go, you don't confess. How does that work? I've got to open my mouth and pray, right? It's the same way Moses went up for his people. It's the same way we're standing here. Now think about it in the Old Testament. There was none of this. They couldn't openly speak to God. They had priests going in on their behalf. It was. Right. Right, didn't change God's nature because God by, by nature is still a forgiving God. He's still a patient God. But when His wrath burns, had Moses not interceded in prayer for those people, not pleaded for those people, they'd have been gone, right? Number three thing that I looked at was prayer is only possible through our mediator, Jesus. 1 Timothy 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, it says, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. We said before in the Old Testament, there was, there was no me opening my mouth talking to God. It's completely different now. Everything was done, you know, the sacrificial system, that's the way that they could even have access to God. The way the priest could even go on behalf of the people was through that sacrificial system. That was only foreshadowing what was to come. So now, really, we got it way better now, right? We probably don't use it as like we should or even come close. But we don't have that. That's all been pushed to the side. And because of Jesus, now we have a mediator that's standing in on our behalf. When we open our mouth to God, we can. It, the Bible actually says we can come boldly. Do you think they came boldly 
Back in the Old Testament, it was probably, don't kill me. I mean, I'd heard stories where they would tie ropes to them when they were going in. That way, in case they died, they could pull them back out, right? We don't do that when we go to prayer. When we go into prayer now, do we? Because we have a mediator, a perfect one on, on, um, on that note. We enter God's presence only through our mediator, Jesus. So the conclusion of the whole thing is, yes, God is sovereign. Yes, our prayer can change in His plan. His plan is already set. So you got to ask the question, well, does that mean that my prayer is part of His plan? And that's right. This, this will blow your mind when you sit and start to think about it. So we see things in real time, right? That's why it confuses us. That's why our, our small minds can't grasp God. He knows the beginning from the end. He knows the first prayer, the middle prayer, the end prayer, all your prayers in between. And His plan is working with your prayers. How is it when people come together and they pray for something? I mean, i just seen it happen this week in this man's life. He was up, had three major blockages, but the prayer of the church, God answered the prayer. Do we get the glory for that? You ask the question, why would God answer my prayer? Number one, because he, we are His children. He wants to give us things. He wants to answer our prayers. Is our prayer always answered? Yes, no. Sometimes it's not. We know that too. But when He does, He gets all the glory. I know that when I open my mouth, I'm standing here nothing. Only covered by Jesus. And I can open my mouth and God hears me. That's mind-blowing already. But whenever He answers the prayer that I, that I lift up to Him, my goodness, what do I do? I just praise. That's why we're here anyway, right? To praise and give Him glory. So this is all knitted together. It's, it's the most amazing thing that my prayer is knitted into, your prayers are knitted into God's plan. It's mind-blowing. So the sovereignty of God, I wrote this down, the sovereignty of, of God over every detail of our lives is the hope and foundation of our praying. That's why we pray. That's why we don't fall back, not because God is sovereign and He's going to do what He wants to, it's because He has worked it into this plan. God makes our humble, dependent, expectant cries for help the instruments that He uses and what, what He does in the world. And that's mind-blowing too. Your prayers can change things. It will make you feel so much more positive about, I just open my mouth to God and He hears me. And He answers my prayers. It's, it's mind-blowing. I've seen, uh, I don't know how many of y'all follow Francis Chan. He's not the most popular guy around anymore. But he had said that a Jehovah's Witness had come to his house and she was trying to, um, I guess convert him or tell him their ways or whatever. And she had said, she started talking to him about what they believe. And he said, well, let me tell you a little bit about, about what I believe. And uh, 
to come to the conclusion, she said, you don't honestly think that you talk and God hears you. And he said, what do you mean? He, she said, God don't, don't listen to y'all. and he, or, God don't listen to all y'all Christians. He said, well, he might not listen to all the, all the Christians, but he listens to me. And uh, <laughs> I, just, I thought that was a, a funny thing. But that, that's, a, that's an amazing feeling to know that right here, we just got through talking to God. And right here, we don't know what could change out of us just lifting our, our prayers up to God. And that's the one thing I wanted to, wanted to get across to y'all because I know it's easy, it's so easy to be lax in your prayer life. It's so easy to be lax in your Christian life altogether. And I think what God's been teaching me here lately is you don't know what tomorrow might bring. You only know that you have right this minute. And if I'm going to be pleasing to God, it's not like he, what He requires of me is bad for me. And so the more that I pray, the more that I'm in His Word, the closer I am to Him, the closer I am to obeying Him, I don't, I don't even know any way to put it. It's, it's a different feeling. It's a different feeling when you know that you're obeying your Creator. You're obeying your Heavenly Father. And, it, and it's not like these things are hard, but we put so many things before them and don't even know how much power we have within us until you start really looking into it. So I guess my, I guess my challenge for y'all today, are you, are you in the Word enough? Are you praying enough? Are we praying for each other enough? Do we really pray like it's going to change what God is doing or it's going to change somebody's life? Do we come to Him? Right. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Right. If I want to live like a dog, my prayers are hung in the corner of that But if I pray the word of God, know the word as much as, no, not as much as I should, because I may be in the time But if, if we are, we need to have our dishes washed before we go into the dining room. Because if I've got unconfessed sin in my life, that's the first objective to get rid of for he to hear my prayer. Right. Because it says he knows the sheep knows his voice. And you know what? The Bible tells us that right. he's not my father. Right. Mm-hmm. Because they know me. Right. Why should the Father not be the same thing 
Right. You know, the, the studying the, the Holy Spirit, knowing that we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, knowing that the Spirit prays when it, things so deep that we, it, it can't even come out of us. Amen. Right. Because uh, when, when he ascended back to the heaven, he said, I will send you a comfort and a comfort will be the Holy Spirit. Right. And he will reveal all things that, that I have told you and taught you. Right. So therefore, you know, the utterance of the Holy Spirit doing it on the prayers is better than prophecy. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. The Holy Spirit is God, and God knows what I need more than I do. <laughs> Right. Right. That's uh, and you know that's where the faith and the trust, and that's when that's when it's hard. Whenever the answer is no, and you don't understand why, and you really don't see it right away, you might not see it at all. It might be completely for somebody else. Um, that's the time when it's the hardest, and that's the time when we need to be praying probably harder than we ever have, not for understanding, but just, you know, help my unbelief, help me to trust you more because this hurts, right? And, and we can all attest to some time in our life when we've been there. We need to actually explain sometimes God should be on answer prayer. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah, I, we, um, you know, I've looked at that verse before where it says, you know, <laughs> what what good earthly father, if his uh, child asks for something, I can't remember what the, gives him a snake. And I, I got to thinking, you know, sometimes I think that I might be asking for bread, but am I asking for a snake? And is the answer sometimes no, because it wasn't good for me to begin with, and I didn't understand. I couldn't see it. We just went through one of those times just about a month ago. I couldn't see it, and I finally just had to come to the conclusion that it wasn't good. We prayed, if, it, if only... This is going to be good for us. If it's going to be bad, if it's going to come in between anything, then, then let it be no. Well, sometimes you still don't like the no, right? But um, I forgot where I was going with this. But just go back and reiterate. So God has designed our prayers into His plan. That's no reason to stop praying. That's even more reason to, to pray even more, right? Because our prayers are a part of His plan. I don't...
kind of preacher or pastor, whomever was there, to take it. And it was another pastor in the said it. And he said there was no reason to pray to God at one time. At one time. Because said he is the all on God. And I, I agree with that. But said he's the all on God. Said you we're we're questioning his intelligence when we pray more than once. So I, I was I was <laughs> Yeah. Why would why would Paul tell us to be in continual prayer? If I want a huge basketball back then, I might have had to ask ten times. And he didn't get mad at because I asked him ten times. It's the communication we're building, the relationship we're building. Right. And he was he was totally out in left field trying to blow that. Yeah. Yeah, I can't say I agree with that one. Paul says to continually be in prayer. Well, if I'm continually continually in prayer, what's on my mind is probably what I'm praying for a lot. What's in my heart's what I'm praying for a lot. Well, if we claim him as a father. Why should we not communicate to him? Right. He, if you see him as um, sovereign over your life, you know that your very next breath does not come outside of. Him allowing it to come. So, at that, at, I mean, with that mindset, I could go. Thank you, thank you, thank you for that breath. Thank you for that. Well, I don't have to. I don't have to do that all the time. But I'm saying, when I wake up in the morning, it's the first thing. Thank you for allowing me to wake up. Thank you for allowing me to have this roof over my head, food on my table. Thank you for my kids. You know, just because I say it once. Doesn't mean that I've covered that for good. No. No, it's just showing that faith and that dependence even more. But look, look, look how much, and you read in Exodus how a lay person, Moses, just like you and I, born of flesh, he got God to change his mind. How much more is our intercession now in Jesus Christ? Right. Right. You know, don't knock that idiot bobbing in the head today, boy, because he uh, <laughs> might do something on day tomorrow. That's our Jesus. Right. Why should we not be so hooked, okay with it? Right. I don't have much more. This was going to be a quick lesson anyway. Um,. I guess what's been on my mind more than anything, we'll probably cut this out of the, the video, is you know, all the time we, we come to church and we, we, we teach our kids and to, to read the Bible and we teach them to pray. Are we, going, are we going deep enough, I guess? Are we going deep enough? Because, you know, I preach the same thing to myself. Open your Bible up and pray. But do I have a desire to do it? Not not just a not just a well. It's what I get in the routine of doing every day. But do, do I have a, an honest desire, a love for God's word to open it up and to share it with people around me? And God has taught me such a big lesson in the last few days. 
my wife, I thank God for her, she decided that we should, like we were doing on Wednesday nights before, we'll just take a verse and just break it down. And we went through a verse. What verse was that? Second Timothy two four. And when I read it, it says, No soldier gets entangled in a civilian pursuit. That's the first thing I thought. And I thought, what in the world? He just pulled a verse. Lamb was the one that picked the verse out. He just pulled a verse out of nowhere. And what kind of sense does that make? But when we got to studying this verse, no soldier gets entangled in a civilian in civilian pursuit since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. And then you read read the title up above it. And I'm sorry, I think I mentioned 2 Timothy chapter 2. A good soldier of, of Christ Jesus. And I asked we asked the question. We try to let them, you know, come up with we want their brains working, right? And at the same time, mine was over there melting. I was like, well, I've never seen this before. No soldier gets entangled in a civilian pursuit. What's a civilian? Somebody not in the military, right? And a soldier is in the military, right? And then you read on down and it says, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. How do you get into military? You're enlisted, right? Him. Listed him. The one who enlisted him is God, right? And the soldier belongs to God. He's only a soldier because God enlisted him as a soldier. Gets entangled. Well, we said that's that's where you get you know get wrapped up in civilian pursuits. What is what is the world after? It's talking about the world and the Christian. What's the world after? Every everything not godly. We don't get wrapped up. And when I seen their eyes start to be opened, I'm sitting over there and I'm almost in tears because I'm like, how how do I miss this? And so I got to question. I was like, are we are, are we? Just, and I'm not saying, I'm not talking about anybody's Bible studies or nothing. Just ask yourself, are you going deep enough? Do you love God's Word enough that you're just digging and digging and digging? And when you find things like this, because they're all over, just stop and slow down and, and look, look at what it's saying. and Your mind will be blown. It is, it is such a joy. When you can find, when it's just another reminder that why do I ever go in and sit this thing down? Why ain't I walking around looking at it all the time going, oh my goodness. Right. A lot of times, you think of in a relationship. Now how would this work? And this, is, this is not this relationship. How would a relationship work here if I did all the talking and I just, nope. I want to hear from you. You just listen to me. And you just... I'm going to tell you what I need, and I need you to answer that, and I need you to do this for me, but don't you talk. That wouldn't work. Now, how much more should we be listening than talking? Well, if I listen to this, it's so easy to talk back to this, right? Because now I'm going, oh my goodness, do you see this? And I just reminded myself of what Nick said all the time. God gave you two ears and one mouth. He wanted you to listen twice as much as what you talk, right? But that, that's what's been really on my mind here lately. Are we opening this thing up to know more about God? Or are we opening this thing up just to, just 
just to check the box and get it off the list? Are we doing this just because we're sitting down to pray? Are we sitting down to eat? Are we doing it because we're really thankful for our food? Because if we're not careful, we'll just get into motions. And next thing you know, we feel disconnected. We feel like God's far away from us. When He's been right here the whole time, all we got to do is open it up.